to sing it. <laughs> they have been so excited about playing as well. They've been so much fun to work with. There are things, folks, that we don't think much about. And I will confess that my goal is to get us thinking about One of the things that tonight is about is the struggle. that we're trying to work on is that amongst the other things that Christian communities have done through the millennia is the light goes out into the world before people leave. We celebrate the presence of Christ and then we follow Christ into the world. Okay. Methodist are outrageous people. And you're proof of it. You all have your lunatic Christian endorsement now for making it out tonight in this weather. Okay? But John Wesley was so presumptuous that he said, the world is my parish. And we can find Jesus anywhere and everywhere in the parish. Now I'll shut up. Thank you, Leslie. Good evening, everyone. <clears throat> if you would all please stand and join me in the call to worship. Christmas is coming around the, the earth. earth. Heaven proclaims peace to all people of goodwill. On this most holy night, the true light of the world shines among us. Let that the same light be enkindled in our hearts. Let it shine through our lives 
so that we can sing with joy. And please remain standing for our first hymn found on page 240, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Before you take a seat, if you could turn to one another and greet each other. Merry Christmas, y'all. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I love it, man. I love it.
Tonight's service is a communion service. Ours is an open communion. Amongst the things that we take seriously is that when we ask God for forgiveness, he forgives us. So we have an open table. I invite you to join me in a prayer for forgiveness. God of grace, you gave Jesus Christ to rescue us. We ask you to overcome our darkness with his light, overcome our selfishness with his love, overcome our apathy with his intensity, and overcome our cowardice with his steadfast devotion and courage. We would be cleansed from all our sins. Moreover, we would live in peace within ourselves and with all people. Through your mercy, forgive us. By your power, establish your kingdom, world without end. Amen. Take a moment, please, for silent confession. Christmas is about the wisdom of God becoming flesh and walking among us. That has huge meaning and it has many meanings. One of the meanings is God makes it clear if we ask for forgiveness, if we're honest with ourselves, with God, and with each other, we can start over. I often challenge people. I was, I was raised in a Pentecostal holiness church, okay? And since I was smaller than these little ones, okay, I was taught that you must be born again. It took me 35 years to find out what that can mean. It didn't mean just saying a little prayer. It means coming to the moment that I realize that I can really start over again. I can really start over again. Here are these words of assurance. Our Lord has come to make us at one with God. He welcomes you into his loving arms. You are forgiven. You are God's. Now, when was the last time you forgave somebody? 
the regulars around here are used to this now. Okay? When was the last time you forgave somebody? Turn to somebody next to you and say, you are forgiven. And I would appreciate it if you all would assure me that I am forgiven. You are forgiven. Thank you. Please join me in our Christmas affirmation of faith. We believe God came into the world as a new life. He came as a baby who was destined to bring light and love to our lives. We believe that our salvation has come from something small, tender, and vulnerable. It comes from something hardly noticeable. It comes from an infant born in a Bethlehem stable. We know that few people witnessed and fewer understood this extraordinary event. The word was made flesh and dwells with us. We believe that the small baby of Bethlehem grew to be the carpenter of Nazareth. He was the rejected preacher. He was the naked man on the cross. Finally, he is the risen Lord who with nail-pierced hands, he has flung open the doors of the kingdom of God so that we can enter in and know the blessings that await there. Amen. Amen. We will not be singing the Gloria tonight.
and you're still alive. (laughs) The Christmas story. The Christmas story starts centuries before a certain night in Bethlehem. The Christian community has turned to the prophet Isaiah in order to find the roots of what has happened that we celebrate tonight. Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 10. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I've put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. A dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands wait for his teaching. Thus says God the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord, I have called you in righteousness, and I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come and continue to come to pass, and new things I now declare before they even happen. I will tell you them. And so, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praise from the end of the earth. Let the sea roar, And all that fills it, the coastlands and their inhabitants. Our first carol is number 211, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. You can stand if you're able. seated. Our second scripture this evening 
comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, the birth of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in the manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And if you're able, please stand for our next carol, found on page 217, Away in a Manger. We continue the Christmas story from the Gospel according to Luke, starting at verse 8, chapter 2, verse 8. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in rags, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he loves. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, 
Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing which has taken place, which the Lord has made known. And so they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. And when they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Our next carol is number 238, Angels We Have Heard on High. Please stand if you're able.
Thank you. Beautifully sung. You may be seated. Depending on who you talk to, you'll hear a different Christmas story. You're going to hear a slightly different version than you've heard before. Because my effort will be to draw some parallels. We are here because of a story that started in a barn. Two thousand years ago. Think about such an unlikely place to start a story that would have repercussions for over two thousand years. Nothing fancy, just the barn. But the story has continued. Now, folk who are part of this church may recognize the communion table. Okay? It is very likely that this cabinet is somewhere around 190 years old. It's likely that it was the communion table that was used in the barns and in the living rooms of the small group of pioneers that started the Methodist Society in the village of Clinton. Actually, they started it before there was a village of Clinton. Okay? That story has taken some major and exciting turns. Some expected, some not. But we're here. We're here. And it's for us to make decisions about how the story, actually both stories, will continue from here. Okay? Things aren't all in the past. One of the things about the sacrament that we celebrate, he's good, okay, is that it not only looks backward, it looks forward. Because the one who said to us when he broke the bread, this is my body. And he took the cup and he said, this is my blood. Is the same one who told those around the table, I will not do this again until I do it with you in the kingdom of God.
the one who came the first time, we believe will come again. Christmas isn't just about memories, it's about anticipation. Anticipation of more than presence. Anticipation more than seeing family. It's anticipation that someday there won't be any more tears. There won't be any more pain. And everyone will know joy. The regulars around here know I don't talk about the kingdom of God as having pearly gates and streets of gold. I know that I'm in heaven when I feel a finger wipe the tears from my eyes. That's what I'm waiting for. For me, that's the joy of Christmas. Okay. Some folk have had difficulty with me because I talk about how Jesus grew, suffered, and died. Mike, it's Christmas and the kids are here. Yeah. And they need to know. And they need to know. And we need to know. There is a moment when we come to the bread and cup that a miracle happens. Okay? It's not the miracle that some people call transubstantiation. It's the miracle that somehow, some way, when we come to the bread and cup, after we receive the bread and the cup, somehow we become the body of Jesus, doing Jesus' work in this world for God's kingdom. Now, there's going to be a mix of things tonight, all right? I'm not going to be terribly apologetic about the mix. You're going to have the option of coming, okay, to the bread in the cup, or you can take the individualized bread and cup, all right? We'll leave that decision up to you. But what we're doing is we're talking about the body and blood of Christ. We're talking about somehow becoming Jesus ourselves and showing God's love in this world. That's what Christmas is all about, folks. We miss that. We missed everything that Christmas is about. Let us pray.
Blessed Jesus, you have consecrated the bread and the cup beyond anything that anyone else can do. Somehow, some way, your life, your death, your resurrection has made it possible for us to become at one with God. God in us and us in God. Being together, working together. The little one who was in the manger 2,000 years ago left a challenge to us all. And the challenge is love one another as I have loved you. Oh Lord, take this bread, take this cup, Make them be for us your body and your blood. And, O Lord, make us your body doing your work for your kingdom. Hear our prayer. Amen. Would like to ask, if you would, come by the center aisle. Okay, Leslie's going to come help me serve. And um, come by the center aisle and return by the side aisles. There is no rush. Okay? Please come. The body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you. Body of Christ broken for you. The 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 body of Christ broken for you, Paul. The body of Christ broken for you, Barb. The body of Christ broken for you, Ruth. The body of Christ broken for you, Sandy. <laughs> the body of Christ broken for you. 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 <laughs> no, thank you, David. <laughs> the body of Christ broken for you. 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 
body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you. You did good, girl. The body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you. Christ broken for you. You got it. The body of Christ broken for you. She's good. Body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you. No worries. It's fine. The body of Christ broken for you. 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 of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you.
folder which has my music in it. I really need it because i got to sing this tomorrow. So if you see it, it's somewhere in the sanctuary. I don't know where it's at. <laughs> it's so good to know that preachers aren't the only ones that have those sorts of problems. It's Christmas Eve. I want to talk to the children for just a little minute, okay? As Mike talks, all right, there's going to come a moment when things will start getting dark because we're going to turn the lights down a little bit at a time, okay? I want you to know that it's going to happen. Okay? I want you to know so you won't be afraid. That goes for the big people, too. (laughs) Okay? Remember you're surrounded by people who love you. And the big people may need a little help with part of what we're doing, okay, Because we're going to be dealing with a little bit of technology. One of the things that's exceedingly difficult these days is we have a message that's 2,000 years old. It's the 21st century. Okay? What does it mean to share light anymore? If you're under 25 and I ask you for a light, you're going to say, you want my light or you want my cell phone? (laughs) Just as well be honest. (laughs) Okay? You You go to a rock concert now, no more waving lighters. Okay? Cell phones. All right? And part of the dilemma that we have as a church is how are we going to pass along the truth of God's love in the 21st century? Hopefully you have a candle. Yes. Now, there's two kinds of candles. One of them has a bendable stick. Okay? The others have a little switch. Okay? Now, there'll come a moment as I'm talking, I'm going to ask you to leave them off, even when it gets dark, until someone passes the love of God to you. And then, light your light. Okay? Now, on Christmas, what we do is we celebrate the moment God reached down to everyone with reckless love. Most often, we don't get the passion and depth of it all. There's too much paradox there, there's too much unreasonableness. There's too many things that don't make sense. 
As I said to the folk on Sunday, God said, I'm going to save the world. And then he found a 14-year-old. Come on, big people. It makes sense, right? (laughs) Okay. Almost unnoticed, a very human thing, a baby's birth, happened in an out-of-the-way barn. It may have been a cave. That began a thing which goes beyond past, present, and future. The woman's labor pains brought to life more than just a new and wonderful person. In that stable, God began a totally new creation. Old things began to pass away. All things started to become new. That is the way almost everything truly important begins. Not with a big bang, but with tears and a whimper. The things that change the history of the world and the universe rarely start in the middle of things where everybody can see it. They start at a lonely edge and go unnoticed until they can't be ignored anymore. I just wish I had his energy. (laughs) So God, in the beginning, in vast wisdom, created everything and formed this world. We can argue ad nauseum about how that happened. Okay? But God knew this creation to be, the Hebrew is outrageous because it gets translated good, but the Hebrew is superb. God saw it, and it was superb. (laughs) The witness of the book of Genesis says again and again, God made things living or not, plant or animal, cold-blooded, warm-blooded, and God said it was good. It was superb. It was just the way God wanted it to be. Everything God made has meaning and intention and purpose. God created humans. That includes you and me. From the very stuff of which the earth is made. I try to remember that. God used the dust, the smallest bits and pieces, not only of earth, but you know you got comet in you? Probably a little bit of meteor. Definitely some sun. Okay? We're all a serious mix. Because of the stuff that we're made, we are ever so closely connected 
to the earth. No matter what our views of science or religion, we literally share the common ground with everything that is this planet. Everything. Whether it's breathing or not. God made you and me to tend this very good creation, our home, the planet Earth. Here in God's garden, we're the gardeners. God made paradise for us here, and we are God's gift to paradise. To take care of it. That ain't in Mike. Read Genesis. we're intimately connected to the earth what we do to the earth and to creation we do to ourselves when we care for the earth and for creation we care for ourselves when we disdain creation we do the same to ourselves and to each other we often forget that we need to tend to ourselves and to each other That's not something that's liberal or conservative. It's the reality of our human existence. Okay? I can think of at least six to 12 people whose good intentions were to be here. They're home with the flu. They're home with some other kind of infection. They're taking care of a child with the flu or some other infection. The world still needs tending. When we abuse or hurt each other or ourselves, at that moment, we hurt and abuse all creation. We do or fail to do what we do or fail to do has cosmic consequences. Once again, That's not just Mike. Read Philippians. The apostle says, entire creation is standing on tiptoe waiting for the children of God to appear. At the beginning, the world was full of light. It was flooded with life, love, peace, truth, and beauty. Then the world was Eden, it was paradise. It knew no suffering, no violence, no poison, no death, or any evil of any kind. All was as it should be. However, God made us free and gave us a will. And some would argue that that's the only mistake that God made. God gave us the capacity to cooperate or not. You and I are here to work together with God in the ongoing creation of this beautiful world. It's ours to dream, to invent, to make things. It's ours to do miracles, good, beautiful, astonishing things. We are to do those things that spread light and overcome the darkness of ignorance and hatefulness, greed, and evil. We are meant to follow 
the example of the one who made us and the one whose birth we celebrate tonight. Some argue that God made a mistake by giving us free will. Sadly, we've used our freedom to pollute the land in every way. In our freedom, we have abused the earth and creation with our technology. We have brought the darkness of hate, greed, jealousy, and violence here. We, instead of being caregivers, we have been vandals. We have vandalized what God made very good. We try to blame God for the way things are, but it really isn't God's fault. God didn't plan this mess that we're in. We have done it by ourselves, to ourselves, and to each other. Folk here have heard me say more than they probably want to hear. I get angry at God, and I say, God, why don't you do something about this? And then God says to me, I sent you. We're where we are because that's where God sent us. Thank you for showing up tonight. Rather than tending and protecting the garden, we've become the weeds and the disease that infest it and infect it. We've become the cancer of creation. All of God's creation is hurt and groans in its pain. It's plain to anyone with eyes to see that the present time, at the present time, all created life groans in a sort of universal travail. That's Philippians 8, verses 18. Throughout human history, the light of love, peace, and truth has been snuffed out. The lawgivers ignored. The prophets imprisoned or murdered. The governors corrupted. The lights started to go out. There became more and more moments of desperation, despair, and darkness. Things became so bad that one who could see, one who could listen wrote, Hear, O heavens, listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. A people loaded with guilt, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why should do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is sick. Your whole heart is faint. From the sole of your feet to the top of your head, there is no soundness, only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with oil. Your country is desolate. Your cities burned with fire. Your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you. They are laid waste as when overthrown by strangers. And finally God warned, therefore night will come over you. Without visions and darkness, without divination, the sun will set for the prophets, 
and the day will go dark for them. The seers will be ashamed and the diviners disgraced. They will all cover their faces because there's no answer from God. It became as though the light had never been. God saw the darkness where once there had been light. God asks us, why should I beat you anymore? Is this an expression of divine impatience or a sign of divine despair? Yet God gave, decided to give us all one last chance. For God so loved the world, the apocalypse was delayed. Instead of the expected rolling up and throwing away of the tattered old coat that creation has become, God put on a brilliant disguise. God has come in order to live among us and to rekindle the light of God's own image in us. A child was born in a stable some 2,000 years ago. That child, Jesus, was somehow God, a glowing light. The child grew. The light became brighter. The small but important light of love and peace and truth. Jesus went around doing good. In the good that he did, he rekindled the small light of love, peace, and truth in each life that he touched. Here it was a fisherman, there it was a physician, a tax collector, a revolutionary, a possessed woman, a prostitute, a housewife, and many, many more. Here a man born blind got his sight. There a mother had her daughter, once dead, return to her alive. In another place, five loaves and a couple of small fish fed thousands of people. Each person tasted the feast and tasted the feast to come in God's blessed kingdom. Everywhere Jesus went, he was the light in the darkness. He showed up and showed us that the kingdom is at our fingertips. And Jesus passed on the light. When people of power tried to snuff out the light through the crucifixion, God, through the resurrection, guaranteed that the light of love and peace and truth would continue. Even when those closest to Jesus went into hiding, the risen one came to their secret place, and he assured them, saying, Peace be with you. Then he showed him his hands and his side. He told them, Just as the Father sent me, now I am sending you. The one who cried from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, told them in that room, If you forgive any sins, They are forgiven. Later, Jesus told one who struggled with faith, put your finger here. Touch my hands. Put your hand here in my side. 
Stop doubting and believe. And even when those closest to Jesus returned to their fishing nets, the risen one came to the seashore to once again rekindle the light and to challenge them to spread the divine light, to love, to forgive, to feed the lambs. The light spread from the apostles to their disciples. From there it spread to those we know as the church fathers, to those who faced the lions, who were torn limb from limb, who were burned at the stake, died as martyrs, to the great people of the Christian faith, some whom we know and many whom we don't, who have lived as light in the darkness in every time, in every place, loving and forgiving, feeding the lambs. And finally, the lights come to you and me. The world's still a dark place. And in the darkness of hate and greed and jealousy and violence, there are still threats to the light. But where there is light, there can be no darkness. Jesus has brought me his love, David. I share it with you. Let your light shine. He loves you too. Please pass the light along after you receive it. Jesus has sent me with the light of his love. Let your light shine for Jesus. Jesus has touched me with love and light. Let his light shine in your life. Can you turn it on? Good. Jesus has turned on the light of love in my life. Turn the light of love on in yours and share it with others. Jesus has turned the light of love on in my life. Turn the light of love on in yours and share it with others. Jesus has shared the light of love in my life. And I share it with you. Jesus has shared the light of his love in my life. And I share it with you. And ask you to share it with others. Jesus has shared the light of his love with me. I share it with you and encourage you to share it with others. Jesus has touched my life with the light of his love. Share his love with others. Now, there's a little children's song, okay, that we're going to sing before Olivia leads us 
in our benediction. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Olivia is going to sing the first verse of our choral benediction. And you are invited to join her on the second verse. Thank you, Olivia. on 239. Hallelujah. 
And the people said, Amen. And Merry Christmas. Excellent, Olivia. Thank you, thank you. Oh, she did way better than that. Good job, Olivia. <laughs> a, couple, a couple of business things. You'll notice there was not an offering. However, there are offering plates on the way out. Okay? The charge is $50 to get out the door. And we, we do need to have our candles back, okay? And we, we, if you have not seen the candy cane prayer, we have copies of it just outside the door. <laughs>